So you're listening to the Family Life New Zealand podcast, where we share encouraging, uplifting, and real conversations that equip you to develop your relationship skills. Because we know when people develop effective relationship skills, their relationships flourish. This is part one of a two-part series on sex in marriage, where we talk about six ways to improve your sex life. Kiora Vainanjia from the Family Life New Zealand team, and welcome. This is another episode of the Family Life New Zealand podcast, and as always, I've got with me in studio today, Nikki Bray. Hello there. Morning, Nikki, and Steve Hooper. Kiora, thank you for joining us. It's great to have you on this the broadcast again. <laughs> yeah, no, it's great. And t- today, uh, we are talking about the much anticipated topic, you know. I've been walking. Uh, I've been walking into people all this time, saying, "When are you going to talk about this on your podcast?" And I said, <laughs> "Just hang in there; it's coming." So the topic Here we on are. the table for today is sex in marriage, mm-hmm. and uh, we have thought about how we want to approach today's discussion because it's probably one of the favorite sessions at our weekend to remember. <laughs> uh, but you know that session at the weekend to remember is, is very unique and in person and we thought today we're going to give our listeners something fresh and a different approach so we've come up with six ways to improve your sex life nikki do you want to quickly tell us the six what they are and then we'll go through them one by one so the first one is to educate yourself and understand yourself and your partner's differences so that's a key one to start with secondly be open and vulnerable and talk about it. Okay. Thirdly, give each other time. You know, prioritize this area. Fourthly, maintain physical affection. Now, that's not necessarily sexual affection. Okay. Fifthly, be proactive. And we'll explain a little bit more about that. And then lastly, number six, be creative. So proactive and creative. So be procreate. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, that is it not that podcast? <laughs> no, 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 I wasn't kind of thinking that. But, okay, uh, okay. Yeah, okay. Not, not letting the flame of creativity go out in that gotcha. area of your So five, be proactive. Six, be creative. And mm. then we'll throw number seven in there, be procreative. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Okay. So, and, and it's, it's, quite, it's quite funny because as we're recording this, um, I, was just, uh, I was just telling the team this morning that it's going to be a, a difficult show show because I only had four hours of sleep and no Nikki <laughs> it wasn't in preparation for the intimacy show I have a baby and uh, life's challenging at the moment okay well maybe after this one you might have another baby on its way next year <laughs> well well let's 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 hope so so uh, let's let's jump right into uh, number one educate yourself and understand your partner's differences this is a big one really yeah it is but before we go there Vayne, and can I just start it off with a quote that I thought was was great and now Nancy Houston, author of Love and Sex, she says this, married couples who have sex regularly live longer, they have better heart health, enjoy a deeper connection and can let go of annoyances easier. So I'd say it's pretty beneficial for us to talk about this area, even just that alone. But then another one that I just wanted to share as well was from um, Kevin Lehman. And he says, if you think sex isn't important, you are sadly mistaken. Many people have been wounded by sex and hurt by sexual memories. But if you're married, sex will be one of the most important parts of your life, whether you want it to be that way or not. If you don't treat sex this way as a matter of supreme importance, you're shortchanging yourself, your spouse and your kids. Mm. 
So I thought that's a really good yeah, well, um, yeah quote to just really put it up there as it's, this is a vital part of marriage, of our relationship that we need to discuss. And how's that for starting on a heavy note? <laughs> <laughs> we can get lighter from here. <laughs> I know, I know. But what I really loved about um, that quote you read by Kevin Lehman is the fact that he says, whether you like it or not, mm. whether you want it to be or not, you know, sex is going to be a, a vital aspect to your marriage. Mm. And so uh, you might be thinking in terms of your sexual activity, but it may also be in terms of your sexual inactivity. Yeah. So it w- almost goes both ways. I like the illustration. I think, in fact, it may have also been Kevin Lehman in his book who shared how he would, when couples come into his, his counseling room, uh, there's a violin in the room. And he would pass the violin to one of the couples to play. And now, considering most people don't play violin, but those who do, they have a, they have an advantage. But <laughs> for most people, you pick up a violin and it sounds like a cat screeching <laughs> if you try and play a violin, right? It takes years of practice, mm. actually, to, to master the violin. And he actually gets couples to uh, take the violin and try and play a few notes and then he uses this illustration to say that, well, if you don't expect yourself to pick up a violin and play it perfectly the first time, then why do you expect yourself to, I guess, nail it the first mm. time? Uh, well, not even the first time, but even in the first seasons of your life and sex. And as you learn how to play the violin, you actually learn and grow better at sex mm. in marriage. Mm. Yeah, absolutely. So that leads us to number one. How do you educate yourself and understand your partner's differences? Mm. I I know for me, um, this was really important to actually understand myself as well, um, as well as Andy. And one of the ways, I mean, I'm an avid reader. So for me, I realized that this was an area that we struggled with in our first few years of marriage. And I take probably more of that responsibility. A lot of that was to do with, you know, beliefs that weren't serving me or my upbringing. Um, I needed to learn to be a little bit more um, vulnerable and willing to work on this side of our marriage. So it wasn't easy for me to begin with. But I I realized that it was an important aspect of marriage. And so for me, one of the first things I did was I I got some good content into my brain. So one of the best books I read was a book called Intimate Issues by two women. Brilliant book. And it's 21 questions that women ask about sex. And it's very frank. It's very open. But it's also really good, wholesome, wise information. And one of the statements that really resonated with me was um, give yourself permission to be a sensuous woman. Now, for me, that was, it was like a, a, a bolt of lightning, just allowing myself to have permission to do that. And I mean, if Andy was here today, he would say that was a game changer in that mm-hmm. area of our marriage. So mm-hmm. for me to understand that and then to work on ways how I could give myself permission. So that was a big one. Actually, in terms of that book, Intimate Issues, um, I'm familiar with that one too. Very good book. Um, my wife, Leanne, has read it. And actually, I would say overwhelmingly endorsed that as being the best book I have never read. <laughs> yeah. There you go. Because it does. Yeah. You Where do I get lot. this book? Where do I? <laughs> we it's, sell it. <laughs> it's, it. We do sell it on our bookstore at Family Life. You can check it out, familylife.nz. But it's a good, it's the sort of book that you can read together mm-hmm. as a couple. Yeah. And you're learning things together as a couple as you're reading it. And there's some great content in there. And mm-hmm. it covers a lot of areas that most people wish they, they knew and they could have a conversation with, but maybe are too afraid to do that. Mm-hmm. And so they bring up these really candid conversations in a really wholesome way 
Um, so a beautiful book to read as a couple. Mm, mm. And I think from reading that, it also helped me understand um, some of Andy's differences in that area. You see, for us, um, sex met a deep emotional need for Andy. Now, it wasn't kind of the same for me. You know, conversation kind of met a deep emotional need for me. So we had mm. very different needs in that re regard. But when I understood how important it was for Andy and how it met that deep emotional need, then my attitude towards it could change. That's a big one. Attitude, mm. eh? Mm, totally. Yeah. So I, so that was a big one. And also understanding that, um, <laughs> and I'm saying this kind of um, with trepidation because I've got two males in the room here, mm -hmm. but the understanding that the male ego was actually quite fragile and that it can be intricately woven with sex. And so just even understanding that made me have a bit of an attitude shift around that. Okay. Mm. You didn't you didn't say much there, but um, <laughs> in terms of how that plays out, but I mean, you can only imagine that you're right. It's a vulnerable space mm. for both husband and wife. Mm. It's a, it's a, it's a space where we're really, you know, um, in, 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 in my book, Connection, A Journey Towards Intimacy, I wrote about this thing of trust, nakedness, and vulnerability. Mm. And those three really go hand in hand. It's hard to be naked with someone and unashamed mm. if the trust hasn't been established. You know, you need to be vulnerable in that space. And being vulnerable means you can be bruised, like your ego can be bruised. Mm. If, you know, uh, it's, it's almost like treating that space with, with respect and treating totally. each other with um, utmost respect. When you talk about differences, however, I think um, one thing that uh, I realized is, is quite a uh, quite a wow moment, a profound moment, a realization was that it's often the case that for many people in marriage, one person would be more of the initiator mm. than the other. Yeah. And it's not necessarily a bad thing, but there's this whole thing about, you know, sometimes the one person in marriage may be more prone to always initiating. Mm, and that's tough, actually, for the person that is the initiator. That's tough because if it's always left to one person to do that, and that was a conversation that Andy and I had to have because he was naturally more of an initiator. Mm. Um, and so he had to sit down and say, honey, if I'm always the one that's initiating, it makes me feel like um, I'm kind of chasing you down all the time, you know, and it would be really helpful for me if you could actually take the initiative sometimes. And it made me realize how important that was to him. Mm. And so I had to... You know, you've got the whole difference in hormones as well. You know, testosterone, it makes men, they've got more testosterone than women. So it makes them more of a driver and a pursuer. Yep. But I also had to, <laughs> sounds very clinical, but I also had to put in my diary things like you know, reminders, Nikki, take the initiative, you know, do do step into that space sometimes yep. and just remind myself yep. Yep. that um, it made Andy feel loved and valued and um, needed and yep. a man when yep. I stepped out and initiated in this area. Yep. And, and of course, the other side of that was when I did that, he responded then with so much love. And so it's a two-way yeah, it's a two-way thing. It benefits both of you. Yeah, I think that's really helpful in most com uh, most couples' relationships because having the conversation around that. Because you're right, if one person does feel like they're always taking the mm. initiative, and the other person not so much, you can feel guilty or or, yep. or dirty or just wrong that, oh, you know, am I interested in something the other person isn't interested in? So it's having that conversation around that. Um, and one of the things we talk about at the conference, not so much in this physical area of intimacy, but in all of our relationship, um, as we look at 
you know, educating ourselves and understanding our partner's differences is being a student of our spouse. Mm. We do that naturally probably when we first start going out or when we're dating or maybe earlier on in a marriage relationship. We, we want to please this other person. So we, we go out of our way to find out, you know, what do they like? What don't they like? Okay, I'll do the things that they do like and I'll, you know, try and stop doing the things they don't like. And so we, we pursue, I guess, that relationship by by studying one another and finding out things about one another. What often happens, though, is, you know, down the, down the track in a marriage relationship is we stop doing that. Or we think we know this person now or maybe we've learned some things about them and we sort of sort of rest on those things and don't continue to pursue or to, to study our spouse. And so we've found that really, really helpful in um, our relationship. And one of the, the books that we read earlier on, again, not on the topic of intimacy, but it was The Five Love Languages which is a very popular book. A lot of people have read it. But that was helpful for us in finding out that for me, as a husband in our relationship, for me personally, I am more of a physical touch and words of affirmation person. That's two of the the love languages. And for Leanne, those were important to her, but not as much because she was more a quality time and acts of service. And we've talked around this in terms of this area of intimacy for me, if I'm just thinking about physical and, and touch and all that sort of thing, I mean, that's m- maybe what meets my needs. But she's thinking what turns her on more is if I help with the dishes or if I'm, throughout the day I'm helping her you know, clean up or we're having you know, conversation. Those mm. sort of things spark intimacy for her. So just acknowledging and understanding those differences in one another, you know, that's been a huge help too. Yeah, and that fits in with what Kevin Lehman says. You know, sex begins in the kitchen. It's yes, um, yes. <laughs> it's uh, yeah, it's part of your everyday life. It's understanding that often, not always. We're all, we're all different. You can't say men are this way and women are all that way. But often for women, that that um, emotional connection has got to be there before she can give herself wholeheartedly and mm. vulnerably to her husband. And so that begins with having those conversations all throughout the day, feeling loved and encouraged. You know, so yeah. But Steve, that actually leads into very well into our second point. But before we lead into the second point, uh, I just want to touch on something you said, Steve, around the whole thing of being a student. Mm. I think that there's a gift there when we come to the the relationship and the act of uh, intimacy of sex with the serving heart. Mm. So I'm thinking, how do I serve my wife in sex? So how do I make it pleasurable for her, not only pleasurable for me? Mm. And there's this this tension in the differences. And one other difference that that came to mind as we were going through this was the idea that, well, for some, and usually it's for men, but I'm I'm, I'm taking it's not always for men. Sex can be a de-stressor. Mm. Yeah. So when you're stressed, sex is a good thing. Mm-hmm. It actually helps relieve that stress, that pressure, and it's a great thing. Well, for others, you need to be relaxed before you want to have sex. So mm. there's that thing of how do you bring these two tensions together? Mm. For some, you'll only have sex when you're not stressed. And for others, well, you need to have sex to de-stress. Mm. And there's this reality that our expectations won't always align. But when we approach each other, we do so with love and with that understanding that I'm serving my partner. So if he or she needs to de-stress now, then maybe I can make myself available. Like you said, I, if this is a priority for Andy, I want to put, put it in the calendar and I'm mm. going to initiate 
mm. even though that wouldn't be my natural tendency as a as a wife in that space. There's there's something you're right, and I've experienced this in our relationship where typically most of the times, uh, if if a man initiates, you know, sex, that that's uh, he needs to read the situation <laughs> and and make sure that you know he's. He's been kind to the girl as a, <laughs> who was it, Laugh Your Way, a Michael Gungle oh, said, yes. you know, be mm. kind to the girl. He talks about this idea of slow roasting your woman. <laughs> In term, oh. and, 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 but I guess I share that illustration because when you say sex starts in the kitchen, it's this whole idea of it's not about um, turning on the flame and putting your steak on the barbecue mm. and it's a 10-minute meal. It's about... When you're slow roasting your Sunday dinner, you've marinated the the beef the the night before. You put it in the oven. It maybe goes for four or five hours. Uh, so it's all those things leading up to the act of sex. Mm. Um, but where I was going with this, and what I was actually going to say, is that every time that I've experienced in our relationship, where um, you know I may have not been ready or in, in the mood, you know, to have sex, when my wife's initiated it. It just brings out something that you want to step up mm. in that sense. Mm. But it's all to do with this service mindset of, mm. hey, this to me, and this, that's my philosophy towards sex is it's an act of service mm. yeah, in the best possible mm. way. Mm. And I think God wants us to approach it that way. It's about denying myself and mm. loving my husband or my wife in the way that they need to be loved. Yeah, I was going to say, as you're saying that, or both of you picking up, Nikki, too, is that yes, selfishness is one thing that we don't want to have, particularly in this area of marriage. You know, I'm entering this for my needs to to be fulfilled, to, for me to be satisfied because I'm selfish and I need that. Mm. You know, that's not a way for two people to lovingly come together and enjoy this area of their relationship. It is being selfless. It is mm. thinking of the other person. And it is realizing, as we're talking about differences, that we do come in with differences. We're not both the same. We're not going to always connect every time we want to because of stress or tiredness or busyness or children around or health or for whatever reason. Uh, mm. It's just not always going to happen how we want it to. Family Life have been inspiring and equipping marriages and families in New Zealand since 1990. As a charity, we don't make money from our events. We rely on the generosity of people who believe in our cause. Maybe you've experienced a family life event. Maybe it even changed your life. Or maybe you're listening to these podcasts and wondering, how can I be involved in helping family life reach homes and families in our beautiful country? You can do that by becoming a friend of family life. Friends of family life are a group of people who partner with us by donating $30 a month or more to enable us to continue impacting homes across Aotearoa. Join us. Because we believe when people develop effective relationship skills, their relationships flourish. Your help makes a difference. Check us out at familylife.nz donate. We'd love to hear from you. I remember in some times of Andy's frustration, um, sometimes him thinking or saying, you know, why did God make us so different? Because <laughs> he would, you know, we'd get, we, both of us would get frustrated at times. And then we realized, yeah, because it's one of the ways that we route selfishness. Mm. Um, it's, a, it's a hard lesson to learn, but it's also incredibly fulfilling as well. Can you say that again, Nikki? So it's one of the ways. That God, it's one of the tools that God uses to route, you know, to, to pull out that, mm. that selfishness because we all have it. Yeah. But when I'm truly suppressing or, or coming to it from 
as you say, serving, um, and it's all about mutual pleasure, then I'm coming to it to benefit my husband or yep. for our relationship. It's not about um, me getting my needs yep. met. And I want to hang on that topic for a moment because I think many of, if not most of the the challenges that that couples face in marriage is maybe one of the parties approached it with more of a selfish um, approach. So mm. sex is all about getting my needs met. Mm. Um, you know, and typically uh, for men, they're, I guess, aroused much quicker mm. than for women. And so often for a male, that means slowing down mm. and not going all guns blazing mm. straight away. And, and that's difficult. But I think for many, they may have a negative experience because they've got a negative history mm. where maybe for some women, sex hasn't been pleasurable because the husband has been all about pleasing himself mm. quickly mm. instead of actually slowing down and making her the priority. And I'm probably picking on the men here for a while, mm. but that's okay because I'm a man. I can. <laughs> can. I'll, I'll let you pick on the woman, Nikki. <laughs> and that's um, when someone can say, you know, as you were saying, Nikki, you know, why did God make me so, you know, quick and fast and to respond and you so slow? We could say something like that. But, you know, for that very reason, it's because it's it helps us to understand, well, what are the needs of this other person in the relationship? Generally, it's the man that's faster, but not always. We know some couples where the the wife is mm. more of the initiator. Yeah. The wife is more interested, you know, more often than her husband because he's busy or stressed. And so sometimes she's trying to take the initiative to start something and he's saying, no, 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 not right now. So it could go either way. But we do realize that it's, it's understanding, again, we're different. Mm. Um, it's learning about the other person and caring for them. And that does lead us into that next one, which is about being open and vulnerable and talking about it. Now, that mm. might sound very basic, talk <laughs> about it, but you'd be surprised as how many people do not talk about it. They well, kind it's of not a dance. comfortable topic. To no. really, who can you talk about it yeah. if you're struggling well, in this area? If, if you want to have a good sex life, use your lips. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and that means talking. <laughs> it does. Yeah. And it, it's... Yeah, and I'm talking about talking to each other. You know, I'm not yeah. talking about talking to somebody else. I'm just saying, and most couples don't. They they carry these ideas in their head and it's like, um, is this okay? Is this not okay? How do I bring this up? You know, this is my desires. And so because Andy and I, we also struggled with it. But over the years, we learned some very valuable tools. And we decided one day, we sat down for an afternoon and we thought, if we struggle in this area, then everybody else does. I mean, we mm. were involved in family life, for goodness sake. So, you know, um, everybody else must be struggling too. So we sat down and we worked out all kinds of questions that people would have around this area. And we made some little um, cards about it because we know that for me to just randomly ask Andy a question, an intimate question could be quite threatening. But if I if I ask a question out of a book, mm. or, then it's not so bad because it's like, oh, this is what the book says. Can you answer this question for me and tell me what you think? Mm. And so we put all these little questions into a, a resource called Small Talk for the Bedroom. And these are questions, all kinds of questions that you can ask each other. Mm. And those conversations will take you into... Territory that you would never have talked about before, I'm sure. Mm. So a, a, it's a good way to start those conversations. They are very good, those questions, the, the cards that you guys have done. And another thing that we've used too is, um, again, sounds like we're doing book reviews. Well, I was going to say, this is the first <laughs> podcast. We've probably had five plugs there in here go. already. Yeah. But obviously, this is an issue that people have created resources That's to right. help others because more people than we realize 
actually struggle in this area. Mm. That's right. And there are, it's good to recommend resources because it's not the sort of topic that you can easily have around the, the no. dinner table sometimes. <laughs> so the other one I was going to mention again is um, by Andy and Nikki Bray. You may have heard of them uh, called <laughs> First Things First. And this is something that I know they have done and a number of um, their friends or friends asked them to put it together. But we went away, um, I remember vividly, our first weekend uh, going through the material that they'd put together. And there was a whole lot of areas to work through, um, you know, friends, uh, your finances, how you do, th- uh, obviously intimacy was a big one. But it was, as Nick, as you said, Nikki, having uh, a question or the topic raised in a book where someone else is asking the questions, mm-hmm. it was quite I remember being quite liberated and we had a great conversation within a number of these now, gone mm. away for a weekend and worked our way through the book. So I'd highly recommend that too, because I know as we talk about this topic, a lot of people struggle in silence because they don't feel it's something they can bring up with their partner because they don't want to be negative. They don't want to share, you know, this is not working for me. And you can't really share it with anybody else mm. unless you're brave enough to go to a counsellor, which is again, a good thing mm-hmm. to do, to yeah. bring in wise input if this is an area you, you struggle with. But good resources can mm. help too. And, and you've actually hit on a, a good point there, Steve, because I think if you can build conversation, you know, just normally deep conversation, I'm not talking about intimate conversation, but if you can have deep, normal conversations, that opens the um, avenue to have those intimate conversations. Mm. So you won't be able to get to talking about sexual needs and things if you're not having conversation about other issues. Mm. It's again like learning to play that violin, right? You need to learn how to play the single notes, play your scales, Mm. and eventually you can play the music. Mm. I have a great uh, quote here from uh, John Gottman has done a lot of study in Mm. the whole area of research and one of them being intimacy, but he says this, A good sexual relationship is built on emotional intimacy and closeness. So in other words, if, you know, we're hoping to improve our physical relationship, we need to first work out what our, you know, our emotional connection. So looking at meeting our partner's needs and communicating our own needs in a loving, respectful way. So what are we doing here? Communication. Mm. It's talking about it before we even get to the, the, the physical act of, you know, making something happen. It's, it's talking through in a loving caring way, building that emotional connection first. Mm. It's so important. Thanks for listening to part one of the two-part discussion on sex in marriage. Join us next week for the second half of our conversation on six ways to improve your sex life. You've been listening to the Family Life New Zealand podcast, where we believe that when people develop their relationship skills, their relationships flourish. If you found this conversation useful and want to help us reach more families, simply rate it, review it, and share it. We'll see you next time.